You know you've got to sing along. Don't you know something? This is the Cabinets HR Podcast, hosted by Jason Cabinets. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners, founders, and people in tech, startups, and HR. If you fall into one of these categories or are just curious about them, then this is the podcast for you. You will gain great insights from these great conversations. The Cabinets HR Podcast is brought to you by Cabinets HR. At Cabinets HR, we deliver HR to companies with 49 or fewer people by automating the HR process. We believe that you don't need a full-time HR person to receive full-time HR expertise. Hello, and welcome to the Cabinets HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cabinets. Our guest today is Victor L. Brown. Victor, are you ready to be great today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on your show. Victor is a seasoned leader with extensive experience within both large global and startup companies that employ enterprise-class software and sensor-based applications. Victor has driven business success as a leader and as a hands-on practitioner of best practice approaches. Currently, Victor is the CEO of Excellent Life, an early-stage digital health analytics company which has launched an innovative mobile software platform to improve the quality of life by improving healthcare with better consumer engagement and, and analysis of health using artificial intelligence. Victor, that's quite a big, uh, big piece of something you're trying to do there, isn't it? I mean, that's a big, you know, a big scope right there. It, it is. It's something I'm very passionate about, uh, but it's directly related to, uh, I guess my background and what I had done before and that connecting me to uh, a more personal situation, it makes me very pers- uh, passionate about pushing for better solutions in healthcare. So Victor, what is the vision for your, your company? So uh, the vision for Excellent Life is to provide a solution for real-time human diagnostics. So if you think about that as being like a very sophisticated OnStar system, but for the human body, uh, a system that is essentially protecting uh, our bodies and our livelihood each and every step of the way, utilizing sophisticated algorithms to understand uh, various factors that affect our health and wellness. So that's the vision for the company. The idea is that uh, through utilizing that, uh, so many of the preventable illnesses that we're experiencing each and every day uh, that rob many of us of quality of life uh, will go away. Victor, is the health industry ready for AI? Well, slowly but surely, uh, healthcare is putting their arms around artificial intelligence. But by and large, uh, the way healthcare is utilizing AI is usually on the operational side. So they're finding efficiencies about the way they operate and all these other applications because there are many applications. What healthcare is not really doing a lot of right now, and this will be growing, is utilizing AI on the diagnostic side and preventive side. So that's kind of a newer area that healthcare is really diving into. So for that part, do you think people are ready for that? Do you think people are ready for for AI to diagnose them? I think most people are like more like I want to see I want to see a guy in front of me or a lady in front of me. I want to see a human. Do you think we're ready for AI to do that? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Uh, I think slowly but surely uh, people will begin to adopt um, the assistance of you know computer based or computer intelligence uh, assessing us because you know inherently there are things that AI can do that you know humans just can't do as fast. 
And you usually get to a better outcome when it's done in the right way. So I think gradually we'll be more accepting of that. Is your target uh, customer a certain size hospital or how's that going to work for you? Well, our target customer ideally would be a hospital system or medical clinic that has multiple clinics um, because ultimately while we want to provide you know, a solution that makes it better for the end user, our best way of getting to them will be through hospital systems and small clinics where they can utilize our application to better engage their patient base and also uh, help and assist uh, diagnosing them and preventing them from getting conditions that we can identify uh, high risk yet. Victor, I have to imagine that the tech stack you build on this is pretty complicated. Has, what's been the challenges of building the, the actual platform out? Yeah, well, as crazy as it sounds, um, the biggest part of you know the platform is just really grabbing the data because the analysis of the data, and this is the part that's a little more complex, uh, the algorithms have really evolved over 20 years of research and development. That's kind of a what I would call part of our secret sauce. But building a platform to collect the data, that's not really that difficult. It's really just a different approach that we're taking. It's just that we understand that there are many facets of our life that are interconnected that make a difference in our health and wellness. So we want to pull all that information in to our repository and run these more sophisticated algorithms that have evolved. And from that, you can make uh, unbelievable discoveries and assessments of you know, their health in that moment, but also make predictions about what is to come. Victor, uh, have there been any challenges as far as like health privacy matters or health privacy data? Not really, because we can, you know, in some regards, technology is really outpaced uh, regulation. Uh, so you have high tech, you have HIPAA. Uh, it's easy to uh, basically uh, account for those. Uh, we run on the AWS back end, AWS uh, through a BAA. Uh, essentially allows you to relegate HIPAA compliance over to their side by, you know, you know, certain coding standards are required, but that's not difficult. It's really, you know, the piece you alluded to earlier is that how receptive is the public and our healthcare service providers and all these stakeholders holders going to be to having an AI powered solution that can take them farther down the path of, you know, diagnosis and the acceptance of that will grow over time. So how are you doing the education part for your company as far as getting people on board, whether it be health professionals or just the regular patients? Right. So this is a big piece for us. And it's, I think it's broader even than the question that you asked. Um, I believe that educating uh, kind of the public and the market about your solution and the value of your solution is paramount to growing to the point that we want to grow. And as a part of that, you know, educating uh, clients and also the users, um, it's just a smaller sub subset of that. So our approach is that uh, we look to create a library of videos uh, that provide part of that education, the rationale as to why our approach is better, uh, some higher level uh, videos about how our approach works. And so over the course of time, we want to put all of this into the market uh, and then also, you know, in a more personal way, provide that training to our clients and also the end users who will be touching our solution on a daily basis. Victor, is there a plan in the future that go to the actual medical schools and like get them when they're still in school and try to train them up on your process? Well, that's uh, that's an interesting thought. That's not something I've actually considered, but uh, I think that's a brilliant idea. I mean, there's so many different applications and channels to get what we're doing into the hands that uh, 
where it could offer value. Um, yeah, I think that's a good thought, but not something that we have part of our immediate uh, plans to do. So, Vic, you have experience in large corporations and startups. Can you talk about some of the differences between working in the two? Sure. So, and uh, uh, a large company, and I was really fortunate. Uh, I started my career with what I would call a blue chip company. Uh, spent 11 years with a company called Snyder Electric. Uh, still have a lot of great friends there. And uh, you're basically getting trained to do everything. So they have these massive budgets. A lot of times they're putting you in classroom settings to teach you best practice about whatever it is you're doing, whatever your role involves. And I remember uh, my first startup that I worked at, you know, where I felt that I had an opportunity to have a greater impact. You know, I'm building a team out. And part of what I wanted to do was provide this training program for the team that I was bringing in. And uh, my boss, who was the chief strategy officer at the time, was like, training program, we don't have a budget for training program. Coupled together some documents, you know, just said, here, you know, have them read this. So uh, just to com- compare and contrast, you know, training, you know, for a large corporation versus what might be training for a startup was a big difference. And that was my first experience. Like, you don't have the budget for anything. So, Vic, you kind of talked about this already, but how did working at a large company prepare you to be at a startup? Uh, how did it compare? So, no, how did it help you? Uh, help oh, prepare? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it taught me a lot about um, taking a very uh, long-term approach and a very prepared approach. Um, many times in startups, I think you can have an idea, you can move very quickly, kind of fly by night. You can be a bit spastic and there are fewer stakeholders involved with the way decisions are made. But in a large company, uh, anytime you're moving forward, you're moving forward probably with the approval of many stakeholders. So you have to come to the table very prepared and be able to defend your position. And so what I found is that uh, when you take an approach of moving a little slower and bring it over to the startup world, but very prepared when you're communicating with the smaller group of stakeholders, it's really helps the level of buy-in because they're understanding why you're moving in a certain direction. They've had a chance to chime in. And I think just the overall process of uh, getting from point A to point B has really helped to get a lot of buy-in and support. And it creates uh, kind of an air and sense of excitement because everyone is vested and bought into it. Because they're a part of it. Vic, you're making a good point. I don't think many people realize how spastic startup life is, do they? Oh, yes. It could be very spastic. And, you know, having a chance to have worked in different environments, uh, there's some good and bad with that. You know, you find brilliant people, people who start startups, they're visionaries. They have these bright ideas. And not all the times are they kind of the people to uh, manage uh, well. And when you have someone that doesn't have a process in place and doesn't go through a regimented process of getting things done, but yet they're a visionary and their visions change from day to day or from week to week. And what you have is a startup that's floundering because, you know, every week you have some different flavor that other people are having to react to. And, um, yeah, that's the nature of a startup. And, uh, and so I think process is important so that you can find yourself on a great trajectory and you can repeat success and you can avoid failures instead of repeating them over and over. I agree. That's why, it's, you know, you don't very you don't find very many successful, you know, solo founders, you know, because you don't they don't have all the tools to do. It. You know, everyone is not an Elon Musk. Right. 
Right. I mean, even Steve and Jobs needed needed um laws, right? Yeah, you need someone uh, just to bounce ideas of to give you a different perspective because regardless of what experience you have, I mean, you're operating from an individual perspective and there's going to be things that you're going to be missing out on. But if you're open-minded enough to, you know, have someone beside you that you trust that has their own experience, it doesn't matter who they are, but if they will be honest in providing their insights and their perspectives, there's something that you can glisten from that and utilize to your advantage. Victor, so back on February 14, 2018, you wrote an article on LinkedIn, um, an introspective, in the start of an entrepreneurial journey. Can you talk about some of the things you learned since then about the startup process and like just the overall journey since you started the company and the word that article? You know, I, I was told this early in life, but it didn't necessarily resonate as much with me then as it did starting my journey and especially where I am now. But I was told it's important who you know. Uh, my parents, I guess, were wise enough to tell me that years ago and I heard it, but I didn't really feel it. And as a part of this startup journey, um, I think I really got into it and in being very naive in that, you know, our team has a lot of experience. We've you know, got a very experienced team. And the idea was that, well, you know, when we're looking to raise capital, certainly people who want to de-risk their investment in operating in a large market, getting behind a team that's passionate, that has a lot of experience, and money will come trickling in and then flowing in and we'll have all the resources we need. That was quite naive. Um, what I found was that it's going to be very difficult to break into those circles. And it is very important uh, to do so because people who are going to invest early uh, really have to know you or have to be from the same circles. I have you be invited into those circles. And that's really the process that, that we're going through now as we're looking to raise capital. And uh, I would say that I was very naive in, in terms of uh, the notion of raising capital initially versus where I am right now. And that introspective, uh, that's something that I've learned as part of this process. You, you definitely need to reach out and know the right people. So, Victor, are you fundraising in, in the local Tennessee area? Are you going to go to Silicon Valley, New York City? What's your plan for that? Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Everywhere. Everywhere. So, um, because of, you know, capital constraints, you know, I can travel at a, at a minimum. So mostly it's here in Tennessee. So I reach out to stakeholders in Tennessee. But, you know, using the Internet, you know, you can reach out to, to anywhere in the world. So I, I cast a broad net. I'm having conversations from people that are outside of Tennessee. But I, I believe that it's really important to be face to face. So when those conversations with people outside of Tennessee get to a certain point, I try to take it upon myself to either get to them or have them come, come to me somehow. And uh, so, but the idea is to reach out beyond Tennessee. So Victor, you have, you have a pretty specific market. How, how people find out about your company? Sure. Uh, I would say they can go to our website, uh, which is www.excellentlife.com. That excellent is with an X. So that's X. C-E-L-L-E-N-T life.com. That's a great way to find out about us. Or they can follow me on Twitter. Um, I'm starting to be more, more active on Twitter. Uh, Victor Brown 7. And uh, yeah, I'm sending out information on a regular basis between the website and Twitter. That's a great way. 
Victor, can you talk about how you've been recruiting your team? Because I have to think, you know, you have to have a certain level of intelligence to do what you're doing. You just can't bring anyone to your team. How has that been working for you? Well, our team consists of three right now. It's myself uh, and really pseudo co-founders, the CTO and uh, the chief medical officer. And interestingly enough, um, I have a technical background. So I finished an undergrad in computer engineering uh, technology and worked as an engineer for a while. But I had not coded in a while. So that was not going to be my strength. So initially, I knew I was going to have to bring on a CTO who, you know, that was more of their sweet spot and someone specifically that understood machine learning and AI. So what I did is I put out an ad on Indeed. And in that ad, it was asking for, you know, criteria that you might see for someone recruiting for a Fortune 500 company for a CTO. They had all this experience required, all this leadership required. And then at the end of the ad, it was like, oh, yeah, by the way, there's no salary. There's no benefits. The hours suck. Like, and in, my, in my mind, like if anyone applies for that job, they have to really be serious about making a difference in the world. And I got to give them a serious look. And um, I had over 35 applicants. All of them uh, had incredible credentials. A lot of them not necessarily needing money. But uh, I interviewed seven of them. And one gentleman really, really stood out uh, who was an expert in AI and machine learning. He's co-authored three textbooks that are currently utilizing higher education. So uh, uh, that was the way I recruited my CTO. We've become good friends since then, uh, Samuel Berntesky. And then um, my chief medical officer was a good friend of mine I knew from undergrad. Uh, she's a board-certified anesthesiologist. And I wanted to bring someone over from the medical industry because I knew that wasn't my experience. My experience was coming from the energy sector where I had over 20 years of experience. And um, having her you know, come on board early was very beneficial as well because she can provide you know, connections into the medical space and also insights from the medical industry from her uh, 15, 20 years of experience that she has. Victor, you bring up a great point. You know, when you're in a startup, you know, the biggest challenge, you first got to bring on qualified people. I know, by the way, you're not going to pay anything. Like, how did you convince your CTOs here and, and Steve Medicoff come on unpaid? I mean, that's a big challenge. I mean, you can tell them, oh, I'm going to give you equity. But my point of view, hey, I'm going to give you like X percent of equity in the company. To me, that's the same as telling someone, you know, see the rainbow, the pot of gold is yours. You're you know, right, it, right. It, it, it's probably not going to happen. So any advice for entrepreneurs on how to convince people to work for, you know, quote unquote free. Yeah, I think that can be tough. If you're working within your circle, uh, then you stand a better chance of finding a person that's going to go through uh, that journey with you and be supportive of that. If you're working beyond your circle, I think you have to offer up a vision for uh, your company that someone else really connects to. And for me, it was the complexity and the uh, ambition of the vision that Samuel latched onto. And he felt like it was an area that he could help in, given that had been his you know, background for many, many years. And he loved the ambition of what we were working on. And when we talked, we just really clicked. He's a very candid guy, straightforward. Um, but yeah, I think when you connect people to your vision, and you put your vision out there, the right people will come on board and, and yeah, you can, you can work magic. Victor, can you talk a little bit about, like you said, having a great vision, you know, being, you know, optimistic, you know, we're going to take over the world and balance that with, you know, we got to still, we still have to be realistic. Even though sure. we have this great vision, great team, great everything, you know, 
odds are this is going to probably fail. How do you balance that? Right. So I, I think the way I balance it is that I try to kind of uh, break the problem up to, into smaller pieces. And so I know where the company is envisioned to go and, and I dream big. So I believe that Exxon Life can be a multi-billion dollar company. Uh, I, I grew up in a multi-billion dollar company cutting my teeth. So I have a reference point there and I've closed large contracts. So understanding the market and the opportunity in the market, that was my vision. But question is, how do you get there and how do you kind of reconcile this big idea to, you know, the reality? And I believe one of the ways you do that is you set milestones for yourself. <clears throat> and those milestones are smaller milestones. So you can kind of, you can gauge uh, how effective you are at like getting to those milestones and have those mental checks and communicating that to your team and the people that are important, your VIPs, your stakeholders. And as people see that you're continuing to press forward and you're reaching those milestones, inherently what you start to do is bring on more support. Because initially people say, oh, well, it's just an idea. And then they see you moving forward. Okay, we actually did something. Then they say, well, it's just an idea. He did something, but surely he's not going to do this or they're not going to do this. Then you do that and you present that to them. So over the course of time, what you find will happen is that you will, you will gain more and more support because, I mean, just the tenacity that it takes to be an entrepreneur, that will really, you know, pay itself in gold over the course of time. You just got to stay tenacious. Victor, you already uh, uh, gave us that before, but can you uh, give us your social media links for you and your company so people can reach out to you again? Sure. Like, reach out to me on Twitter. Uh, that is Victor Brown 7 uh, is my username on Twitter. Um, also, I'm really easy to find on Facebook. I probably spend more time on Twitter than Facebook, but LinkedIn as well. Victor Brown and Excellent Life. Uh, Excellent Life website is www excellentlife.com that's excellent life with an x x c e l l e n t life.com yeah for our listeners we'll have the links to all the social media on our show notes and you can find our show notes at www.cavernishrblog.com victor we're coming to the end of our talk can you give our listeners any advice or wisdom on any subject you want to talk about sure i, I think uh the one advice i would give is that if you have an idea uh, that you want to move forward in and you want to be an entrepreneur, I think it's very important that you are passionate about what that idea is, about what you're doing, because the journey of being an entrepreneur is very challenging and it won't be uh, very rewarding in terms of financial rewards in the early stages. You know, it can be longer term, but in the early stages, you need something that uh, it's more tied to passion that drives you forward past some of the challenges that you deal with. So do something that you're passionate about. And when you find that, I think it makes the road and journey much easier. Victor, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate be being able to be on your show, Jason. It's been awesome. You know, anytime. I, I love this. Thank and, you. And to our listeners, thank you for your time as well. And remember to be great every day. You know you've got to sing along. Don't you know? This is the Kavnis HR Podcast, hosted by Jason Kavnis. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners, founders, and people in tech, startups, and HR. If you fall into one of these categories or are just curious about them, then this is the podcast for you. You will gain great insights from these great conversations. The Kavnis HR Podcast is brought to you by Kavnis HR. At Kavnis HR, we deliver HR to companies with 49 or fewer 
other people by automating the HR process. We believe that you don't need a full-time HR person to receive full-time HR expertise.